Happy Father's Day to everybody. God bless you guys. So we are kicking off a brand new series today that we are calling Let Me Look At You. Let Me Look At You. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up, your physical Bible, your electronic or your tablet, you can open them up to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. So what I want to talk to you today about is what Jesus called as the two great, everybody say two. The two greatest commandments. The two greatest commandments. And then I want to talk to you about, <clears throat> about the two greatest relationships. The two greatest, rela- the two greatest commandments and how they impact the two greatest relationships that we have. Okay? So Matthew 22 is where we're at. Um, and in Matthew 22, we're going to read about these two. If it's the first time, like you've never heard what the two greatest commandments are, this is going to be a really nice surprise. If not, you, you already know what this is, where, where we're going, but it's actually going to help you today. Let me tell you a little more about the context of what's going on here in Matthew 22. Jesus is being confronted. He's being confronted by religious leaders, and what they're doing is they're trying to trap him. They're trying to get him in a trap, and so, and just as an FYI, you know, um, for future reference for you and me, keep in mind, it's probably not a good idea to try to trap the creator of the universe because he knows what you're, try- what you're up to. And trying to trap him is probably not the wisest thing, but here they are, the religious leaders, they're trying to trap him, and they're asking him all these kinds of questions. But these questions that they're using to try to trap him, unbeknown to them, Jesus is turning it around and it's actually giving him a great opportunity to say what he really wanted to say anyway. And so that's what's happening in Matthew chapter 22. And I want to read the text for us. And it's a passage that, again, you might be familiar with, starting in verse 34. And it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. Who are the Sadducees? The Sadducees are a segment of those religious leaders that were trying to trap Jesus. So there's another segment. There's the Pharisees. So the Sadducees, Try to trap Jesus, no can do. Now the Pharisees are looking, they see what happens, they see how Jesus responded, and they're like, oh well, let me give it a shot at it. Again, I'm not sure why they want to give it a shot if they couldn't trap it, but they're trying. So one of the Pharisees happens to be a lawyer, and he goes to Jesus, and this is what he says on the outside. Uh, this is what he says verbally, like on the, what, what he says to Jesus. Oh yeah, Jesus, teacher. You're the greatest, right? You're, but, but listen, I'm having a hard time. There are so many laws that are out there. So when we hear about these laws, some of us think about like the Ten Commandments. Well, yes, it was the Ten Commandments, but at this time, over the centuries, uh, there were different addendums that were done to the Ten Commandments. They were added on these other laws to the Ten Commandments. So at this point, centuries and centuries later, there are hundreds and hundreds of commandments. And so this teacher on the outside, this lawyer, I'm sorry, on the outside goes to Jesus and he says, oh yeah, teacher, can you like simplify this for me? Can you break it down? Can you make it just, can you tell me out of all of these commandments, which one is the greatest? Which one is the one that I should really like focus on my life? And so, you know, on the outside, it looks like a pretty good, like he's asking for help from Jesus. Like, you know, he wants to know how do we, you know, simplify this? How do we make it just really simple? So if there's one thing, what is the one thing, Jesus? And so here he is asking the question, 
ask, what is the greatest commandment? And I love, love, love how Jesus handles this because he didn't turn, you know, to his disciples that were near him or say, you know what, thanks, I'll get back to you. I gotta call my lifeline or I gotta, you know, call a friend or anything like that. He responds immediately and this is what he says. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And let me just pause there for a second. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Don't you just love how hostility just gets calm down when love is in, you know, it's diffused in an instant. Jesus just, he, he loves to respond by just diffusing the situation. There's, you know, this, everybody's leaning in, waiting for this, what's the greatest commandment? Waiting for Jesus to respond. Jesus responds in a very soft way, in a very quick way. Love the Lord your God. And, and so, you know, they're trying to pin Jesus against the wall and Jesus understands what they're trying to do, but he tells them, all right, I'm gonna give you the answer. Love God with all your heart. It's pretty easy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? This, it's pretty easy. It's, you gotta love God with all your heart. But do you know why this answer was so cutting for those people that were listening? It was, it was so like, oh my goodness, yes. The, the reason why is because the, uh, it resonated with them. It resonated with those who were hearing the tone and the tenor because the way our hearts have been woven together at the moment of creation, loving God with all your heart is like, yes, like that's what I was created to do. God, he knit us together in our mother's womb and he knit us together to be in a relationship within himself. Okay, and so when Jesus responds, he says, I want you to love God with all your heart. It's kind of like this. See this violin up here? I know I have Kaylee really nervous right now, but I just want to show you this violin. He's basically saying, look, every, inside every human is this. It's a violin. Inside every single human. And what God has is that God has the bow. And so every time God speaks, he's playing the strings, he's plucking. And so whenever God talks about loving God with all your heart, people are thinking in their minds, yes, you are plucking the strings of my heart. By saying loving God, I can do this. Love God with all your heart. I can do this. It, it, it just, it resonates with those people who are listening to, are hearing it. Yes, there's something, I, I get it, I, I, I can get that. And then Jesus, in the same breath, he says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. You guys see that there? We're following along in the scripture there, all right? He says, in the same breath, and the second is like it. And so Jesus is saying, look, I know you asked for one, what's the one greatest thing? But actually, it's a two-part answer. I know you wanted one, but there's two Two answers to this, right? He says, yes, it's, it's love God with all your heart and with all your soul. And now Jesus, when he says your soul, first he says your heart, and after he says your heart, he says your soul. What he's saying is there's something more to every human being than just your heart. There's something inside of us that's, there, there, there's something more. It's like the Transformers. You know, the, the tagline is more than meets the eye, right? There's more than just meets the eye for just us humans on the outside. There's a soul inside of us. And he says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul. And then he says, love God with all your mind. He said, love God with all your heart, with all your, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first 
and the greatest commandment. And those that are listening are thinking, whoa, I never would have thought that. I would have never imagined that that was the answer. Love God with everything. And then Jesus takes a breath and he says something else. He says, this is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it. And so Jesus is saying, look, I know you asked for one, but I got a two-part answer to this. After you love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, another gospel writer says, I'm sorry, after you love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, another gospel writer says, and with all your strength. After you do that, he says, there's another thing here. Here's the other thing. You want to know what's the most important thing, right? Well, I'm going to tell you what the most important thing is. It's a two-part answer. The second part is just like the first thing. What's he saying is that they're, they're equal to one another. And it is this, love. Do you know this one? You guys love? Love your neighbor. As soon as the people who are listening hear that, they're like, oh, no, 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 don't go there. Don't go there because my neighbor, that's like the Rivera's. And the Rivera's and then the Garcia's on this side and the Rivera's on this side, they got that old clunkety, hoopty looking car in the garage, and, I mean in the front driveway. I've been asking them to move it, so please don't ask me to love them because I'm not going to even talk to them until they move that clunkety, old looking hoopty that they have, <laughs> right? So love your neighbor, that's, that's like, whoa, 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 that's, that's big news. And Jesus knows this. And he knows that loving God feels really good. It gives you that warm tingly, plucks the strings of your heart, the violin of your heart. But love your neighbor? Whoa, 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 Jesus, just slow down. That's, that's big news right there. That's, I, I don't know if I can do that. And some of us here, we're like, we haven't even met our neighbors, right? I don't even know who my neighbor is, right? Love your neighbor, what is that? And then after he says, love your neighbor, he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he drops a bomb in that same answer to their question. He says, all of the law, not just the Ten Commandments, but all those hundreds of addendums that have been added over the centuries, Jesus says, all of the law, all of the law and that of the prophets. What is that? The law of the prophets? Or what is, what is he saying here? And of the prophets. He's saying that the prophets for centuries have been speaking, have been foretelling about God's plans and for our lives. And, and so he says all of the law and all of the prophets hang on these commandments, these, one, these two commandments, love God and love others, all of it. In other words, everything God has ever thought about doing, is doing, is gonna do, all of it hinges on these two things that you and I understand that these are the two greatest commandments in life, the two things that we must be about in our lives. And so when we understand these two things, we're gonna understand how we should live our lives today. So at the beginning of this talk, I talked about, we're gonna talk about two things. One of them is, what are the two greatest commandments? And then I, and then I said, we're gonna talk about the two greatest relationships, all right? And the two greatest Commandments we just read about them. I want to just talk about how those two great commandments impact the two greatest relationships. The two greatest commandments, they inform our two greatest relationships. How? Okay, so the title of our new series is Let Me Look at You. And the idea is that we would take 
an inventory of ourselves and ask the question, how am I doing with these two commandments? How am I doing loving people, loving God, and then how am I doing loving others? How would you rate yourself? Because I would encourage us to rate ourselves every single day. Ask ourselves that question every single day. How am I doing with this? And after you do that, we're going to talk about the two greatest relationships. You know, relationships is just such a hot topic. I've, I've been learning here at our church that if I talk about sex, dating, marriage, sex, sex, dating, marriage, people show up for this stuff, man. I mean, talk about how to parent, people show up. Talk about marriage, people show up. Uh, you know, you talk about resolving conflict, people just, they come out of the woodwork. People just want to know how, because most of our relationships aren't what we hoped and wished they would be. And so they want to know, how do we, how do we handle these relationships? Well, I want to try and zero in on the next two weeks in this series on our ability to get the primary relationship right, which is our relationship with our creator. It is the single most important factor in us getting all the other relationships right, in having meaning and fulfilling relationships with other people in our lives. And guess what? You know what the second most important relationship is? Who said that? You're looking at my notes, dude. I was trying to like <laughs> trick everybody. Yes. Some people think that the most important relationship is with your wife. Some people think, oh no, it's the most important relationship is the relationship I have with my daughter or the relationship I have with my son. But actually the most important, or the one that I have with my boss because I got to keep him happy. If he isn't happy, I'm not going to be happy, right? But no, as Elon said, the most important relationship apart from the relationship with our creator is the relationship that we have with ourselves. Think about this. Think about this. You are with you more than you are with anybody else, any other human being alive, all right? You spend more time with you than you spend with any other human being alive. How's that working for you? You listen to you more than you listen to any other human being alive. You ask yourself, you, you, you talk to yourself, and you, you, you ask yourselves questions, and whatever you believe about you is mostly what you told you to believe about you. However good you think that you can do is mostly predicated on however good you told yourself that you could do. How worthy you feel about life is mostly predicated on how worthy you told yourself you should feel about life. And I think that our issue a lot of times as humans is that we put our relationship with ourselves over our relationship with God. <clears throat> and so we, we listen to our voice before we listen to the voice, to God's voice. And God is saying, no, 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 no. That's when it's out of order. That's when it goes wrong. We make what God says about us first, and then what our voice, our, our voice is, is only a support to what his voice is is saying to us. His voice is primary, and second to that, the most important relationship is the relationship that we have with ourselves. And that's what we're gonna talk a little more and focus more on next week. I wanna focus just for a moment on the relationship that God desires to have with you and me. I wanna do it from an angle that maybe you haven't really thought about. And I wanna ask you three questions today. Number one, the first one is, can God relate 
to you? Can God relate to you? And I want you to think about it, all right? I want you to think about it, because there is this creator of the, the, this creator of the cosmos, the galaxies. He's like making sure that the earth is tipped on the right angle so it's rotating on its axis and no other planets are colliding or asteroids or helios or anything is colliding with this. I mean, he's a pretty busy man up there. Can he really relate to us? I think um, sometimes, you know, as a, uh, uh, we come in, we roll into church, and, and we sing these songs, you know, oh, you know, God, your love is amazing. God, you know, you, you never give up on me. You know, your love never fails. It never gives up. It never gives up on me. And, and we sing these songs, and we mean it with all of our hearts. But, I, but when we get right down to it, I, I, I wonder how many of us, we ask ourselves this question. We wonder, well, can God really get down into, like, my space, like, my world, like, into my, where the shoes that I'm wearing, like, into my flesh? Can God really know, like, this high-pressured, high-stress environment that I am experiencing, right? Can he really understand my day-to-day? Does he have any idea what a typical day looks like for me? Does he really, like, get into this? Can he really do this, you know? Maybe you're in the middle of a collapse right now where all kinds of disasters come into your world and stuff's just going flying off the handle and you're thinking, you know, I don't know if God really understands what it's like, you know? Like life, like what it is to be like to have a son who's an alcoholic or to have a wife who had an affair. Or I don't know if God can really relate to what I, I, I'm in right now in my life. And, and the answer I want to tell you very humbly is Yes. And we're, we're going to talk about today is that, you know, this guy showed up, and not just any guy, right? This maker of heaven, the maker of earth, the scripture says in many places about Jesus, that he's the one who created the stars and the galaxies and the cosmos and everything that is, and yet somehow he, he willingly chose to take on flesh and blood, and, 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 and forever he is known now as the God-man, forever. He's logged in three decades on planet Earth doing life and trying to relate to us. And so can he relate to us? My answer is I think he can. He knows what it is to be alone. He knows what it is to be tempted. The scripture says that he was tempted in every way, every single way, just like you and me, yet without sin. He knows what it is, what it means to be frustrated. He knows what it means to just lose it. Remember, Remember in the scriptures the time when Jesus was at the temple and he got really upset and he started turning tables over and pushing things up against the walls and he was like very upset because this is not, you know, the, the people there were, were, were trying to make money off of sacrifices and they were doing it upside down and he got upset and he was like, no, this is not what it's supposed to be like. He knows, you guys, what it is to be betrayed. He knows what it is to be reviled. He knows what it is to be abused. He knows what it is to be at the point where you feel like you're suffering alone. Jesus, he didn't come for an hour. He didn't come for a day. He didn't come for a week. He came to spend 33 years on this planet. And then he said to you and me, I want you to make priority number one in your life. Falling in love with me. And when you do that, we would know right away that God gets me. God can relate to me. 
You'll understand. God says, then you'll understand me. And I think that's what we look for in relationships. We just want somebody who gets us, right? Like if we say something funny, we want that person to laugh when we say something funny, right? If we say like a really poignant comment and people are listening, they're like, wow, you know that, like we, we feel like this was earth shattering and they're, li- they're like, yeah, I, I gotta write, hold on a second, let me write that down or I gotta tweet that, you know? Um, you, you don't want somebody who's like, uh, I'm sorry, I wasn't really listening or you lost me back there, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. No, we want people who are like, you know, if we're into science books, Maybe you don't like science books, but hey, you'll listen to science books, right? We, if you like basketball, right? You want them to like basketball, right? If you want, you want somebody who gets you. And Jesus is saying to us, I want you to know that I get you. I get you. And the only way you're gonna believe that is when you decide to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Not only did I create you and make you, but I wove you together. And I get you. You know what? I get you more than you get you. I've also lived just like you're living, doing this life. Trust me, whatever you're going through, I've been through it. Whatever you're feeling, I have felt. I can relate to you. And so so can God relate to us? He absolutely can. He became human so that he can relate to us. The second question that I want us to ask is, well, if God can relate to us, how does he relate to us? How does God relate to us? Well, in a few ways, and I want to talk about that. Number one is, he relentlessly pursues us. How does God relate to us? He relentlessly, even though we often do not pursue him, he relentlessly pursues us. He found the prodigal son in the farmer's muck, right? He, we're a, a farmer's stall where there was a bunch of pigs. That's where he met him. That's, that's the place where the son came to his senses and he, he stood up and he said, you know, I'm going to turn my life around because there was a pursuit there. You, you know, you, you might be like, well, wait, wasn't God like the father in that story? Yes, that's right. He was. And while he, in that story, the father was waiting on the porch, looking beyond the horizon, beyond the town, waiting every single day for that sun to appear. And when that day arrived and he saw his son come up over the horizon, you know what the father did? He pulled up his little toga and he ran down his, the porch and he started running down that path and he, he passed the village and he, he came to his son and he embraced his son. He relentlessly pursues us. He goes after us. He will do anything for us. Number two, how does he pursue us? Number two is, he does not give us what we deserved. And we talked a little bit about that last week, how God is not a God who's fair, right? In the scriptures, in Psalm 103, verse 10, he doesn't give us what we deserve. It says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve, but as a father has compassion on his children, so our father has compassion on those who fear him. That's how God relates to us. He relentlessly pursues us, and he doesn't give us what we deserve. Number three, and this is the other way he relates to us, is that he never meets us halfway. God never meets us halfway. He meets us all the way. He goes all the way. Listen, you and I, when we meet someone halfway, that's a pretty good thing, right? Like, hey, you want to meet up for lunch? Sure. Where are you at today? I'm over here. Well, I'm over here. Okay, let's meet up halfway. We meet up halfway. We're like, this is a good thing right? That way you don't have to go too far, and I don't have to go too far. We meet up halfway. This is a good thing. We meet up halfway. 
That's with a friend. That's a good thing. But what about if someone, you have a conflict with someone and you meet somebody halfway? That's another good, you're like happy because you're like, wow, you met me halfway. I mean, we were like having problems, but, but we were able to at least meet each other halfway. That's a good thing, right? What about if you're in a lawsuit and you meet somebody halfway? That's another good thing. You're like rejoicing. What? We met halfway in a lawsuit. We were not agreeing. We're so far away from each other. Now we're meeting. That's a good thing. But guess what? Jesus isn't like that. He doesn't just meet us halfway. He's not like up in, he's like, you know, I'm I'm up in heaven. I'll meet you like in the stratosphere and you down there, you got to meet me up here, right? No, he's not a halfway God. God doesn't meet us halfway. He goes all the way for us. He came all the way down to Bethlehem that's on earth and he came all the way. Here's the thing. This is how God relates to us. He will go all the way to connect to us. There's no limit to how far he will go. So the first question is, can God relate to us? What's the answer? The second question is, how does he relate to us? So there's a three-part answer to that, right? He relentlessly pursues us, right? Number two is he doesn't give us what we deserve. And the third one is what? He goes all the way. And so the third question, the last question is, well, what difference does that make in our lives? Here's the thing. When we understand that God can relate to us, when we understand that God relates to us, we start looking at life a little bit different. I couldn't find my sunglasses this morning, so I had to bring my wife, so this is going to be very embarrassing. But I have to show you, this is my sermon illustration. It was raining a lot this morning. Couldn't grab them. So when we start to understand how God sees us, we start to put on his eyes. And we start to, you know, the, the beginning of the series, the, the title of the series is, Let Me Look at You. And when we think about that, we think, well, let, let's let me look at you or let you look at me. But no, this whole series is all about up here God looking at, so he's saying, look, let me, I'm putting glasses, pretend he's like a grandpa and he's putting glasses looking at us. Let me Look at, and when we start to look at ourselves the way that God is looking, everything changes, you guys. The way we talk, the way we behave, everything changes. We don't look at ourselves the same. When we put on the eyes of God, when we see ourselves the way that God sees us, it changes the way we behave, it changes the way we talk, it changes everything about us. We look different. We act different. When we start to look, we start treating our neighbors different. When we become more concerned about how God sees us than how we see God or how, how we see, you know, ourselves, when we become more, this is so good, you guys, this morning, I'm telling you some really good stuff. This is going to set some people free today. When we become more concerned about, I got to say that part again because it was so, when we become more concerned about how God sees us than how we see God, when we become more concerned with how God sees us than how we see God and how we see ourselves, it's going to impact how we behave and how we treat our neighbors. We're going we're gonna to be different. And so what does, what does God see when he looks at us? The title of this talk is Father's Eyes. What, what does he see when he looks at us? He sees 
his beloved creation. He looks at you and he sees a part of him in you. He sees and he feels his eyes, they get full of, of, uh, of gratefulness. When, when he looks at you, he puts these glasses on and he looks at you, his eyes are full of gratefulness. And I, I just threw that in because some of us, we just need to hear that God is so grateful that you're alive. God is so grateful that you're here. God is so grateful for you. He's looking at you. I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes we need to hear that people are grateful for us, right? And he's actually happy that you're on this planet. He's not sad that he made you. He's looking at you going, man, I am so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you have life. I'm grateful for you. I appreciate who you are, the way you're living your life, what you're trying to be about. I just want you to know that I appreciate that. Don't you want somebody to appreciate that? Don't you want somebody to appreciate you, right, for crying out loud? I don't know if you do, but yes, right? He's saying to you, you are a rare and beautiful treasure. Hello, you're a rare and beautiful treasure you're, you're, because nobody else is like you. You're beautiful because you have God woven into, into you and God is amazing. And he says when he sees you, he says, I want you to know that I forgive you. I forgive your past. I, pr- I forgive your present. I forgive your future. There is something in history that is called the cross, and because of the cross, your past has been, and your present and your future, it's covered. Your sins from the past, they've been canceled, they've been finished, they've been done, they've been paid for, they've been atoned, they've been washed away, they've been canceled out. I forgive you, God says. He says to us, I just need you to know that I'm gonna gonna hold you to a high standard. I forgive you, I have mercy for you, but I want you to know I'm gonna hold you to a high standard. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a lot of grace and mercy today in appropriate ways because the scripture says in Psalm 103, it says that God knows how we are formed. He understands that we are dust and he's not expecting you to be perfect. That's not what he wants, okay? But he said even because even he knows that the youth will fall, they'll stumble, right? The scriptures say that. Even the strongest of us will become weak and become weary. That's why he's gonna raise us up on eagle's wings, right? And he's gonna give us that God power that keeps us moving. That's why he's gonna hold you to a high standard. He's gonna look at you. He's not gonna say, oh, don't worry, you messed up, that's okay. You're on your seventh marriage? Shoot, go for 10, double digits, that's all right, keep going. No, 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 no. He's gonna hold you to a higher standard because you're his. You have his DNA, right? I I tell my kids every once in a while, when they start acting a little bit unruly, I look at them in the face and I said, remember, you are a sayas. They're looking at me like, what does that mean? And I'm like, you don't act this way. You're a sayas. I hold you to a high standard. So God holds us to a high standard because you have his DNA inside of you. You have the spirit of God. You have the life of Christ. You have the body of Christ. He's gonna hold you to a high standard. He's gonna say to you, you, you should become like Christ. If you stumble, I'm not gonna throw you off the bus. I'm gonna go in, in appropriate ways. I'm gonna give you grace. I'm gonna give you mercy because you're made out of dust. I understand that, okay? He's gonna say to you, me, to you and I, he's like, look, you got a special calling on your life. So nobody is gonna be, you know, in this room. Nobody is like a little spoke in a wheel. No, 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 no. Everybody is a divine appointment that he's gonna say to us because of the way he sees us, I just want you to know, God's gonna say, I am cheering for you. 
I am for you. I believe in you. And God is saying, I need you to know that when I see you, this is what I see. When heaven looks down and sees you, we're we're so happy and grateful that you're alive. So don't do anything dumb and mess it up, okay? We love you, but you can do better, all right? And and you, you might be here, you say, well, nobody cares about me. My life is insignificant. Nobody would even care if I wasn't here. Eh, wrong. Heaven would care if you weren't here because heaven is grateful that you're on the planet today. Heaven is saying you are a rare and beautiful treasure. It doesn't have anything to do with whether it's, it's a good hair day or a bad hair day or if you tucked it in or if you're like me, sucking it in, right? It doesn't matter. God loves you and he, you're his beautiful treasure and he's saying, I forgive you. Heaven is telling you, I forgive you. And we're going to hold you to a high standard. This isn't going to be some free-for-all, but just trust us. From heaven, you're always going to get grace and mercy in appropriate ways. And, and we got a special calling for you today. And as you go out the door today, heaven is cheering for you. Heaven is cheering for you. And you say, well, what difference does that make in my life? What difference does it make in my relationships with myself and in my relationships with everybody else? It's important that you and I, we come to real terms with whether we believe this or not. If we're gonna actually, where am I? If we're gonna actually put the eyes of God on ourselves or not. We, we, we have to decide if we're actually gonna do this or not, right? Because uh, our second most important relationship, which is the one with ourselves, it's gonna domino the way we see God, the way that God sees us, it's gonna domino into the way we see ourselves and into every other relationship that we have. But you know what happens to us a lot of times? Can I show you something? I don't think you're gonna forget this. I I found that this is what I do with God a lot of times. God, I brought this shovel today. And I believe this is God for, God is a shoveler. I'm lefty, so I gotta go this way. Um, So, you know, God, he wants to just shovel on us his mercy, shovel on us his grace, shovel on us his faithfulness, shovel on us his blessings. God is a shoveler. He He just shovels it on us, and he just pours, I mean, it's just a mouth. He just continues to shovel on us who he, how much he loves us and his blessings, all right? And he loves to do this. But you know what happens a lot of times? A lot of times, you know, we get the, the love and we get the mercy, but when it's our turn to dispense it, we're like, well, here's like my baby spoon right here. I got all this love and mercy, but you know what? I, I, you hurt me? <laughs> Hold on a second. You hurt me. I mean, I know I got all this love and grace, but, but you hurt me, so you want me to forgive you? Let, let, let me pray about it first. I gotta pray about it for like four years before I can forgive you, and I gotta fast like at night, like during the evening, right? At night, after I go to bed, I gotta fast, right? Because you want me to forgive you, but you hurt me. You betrayed me, so here's, here's how much I can give you because you hurt me. And you guys, when we do this, it, it doesn't say anything about the person that hurt us. It says everything about us. It says everything about how we don't understand how God has shoveled 
and continue to shovel his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness on us because when we understand how he's done that, when we decide to put, to look at ourselves through God's eyes, then all of a sudden, you guys, we start acting different with the people around us, the people that have hurt us. We're like, wait, 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 wait. I've been, I'm so glad that I'm not the only one that needs mercy because God just gave me a bunch of it. I got, now I can just give it out to everybody who, uh, you need mercy, I got you. You need grace, I got you too. You need forgiveness, I got you too. I got, look at this, I got all of this. I can give it out to anybody and everybody who wants it because I understand how God sees me I understand now that he's got his grace for me and so much of it. I mean, I got a pile of it. I can give it away without even thinking about it's gonna run out because every day the Bible says that God is giving us his mercy. His, his mercies are new every day. He's got a pile of it to give us every single day, you guys, every day. Can you imagine that? Every single day, he's got mercies for you. Every day, and it's not a little bit. It's, he's a shoveler, I'm telling you. He's shoveling it on you. You got a pile and a pile of mercy just for you. I love that about God. I love that. So to the degree to which I believe this, it's gonna change my heart completely. It's going to infect in the most amazing way every single relationship in my life. And the beginning point for us, and next week we're going to unpack a little bit more of what this looks like to love yourself. The beginning point today is to just believe that there is a God who can relate to you. He showed you how, and he showed what difference it's going to make that, that the God who's given you not what you deserve, but he's given you grace and forgiveness and mercy and kindness, and he's done all of that, not just so your life can be changed, but so that the lives of all the people around you can be changed as well. Would you bow your heads and let me pray for you today? Jesus, thank you today that standing in all of our stories is a cross and that that cross is the central reality that allows us to know you. And out of that relationship with you allows us to love each other. And we trust today that you will open our minds, our understanding, our capacity to believe and receive so that it's not just words that we've heard, messages that we've heard, things that we just, I went to church, check it off. No, songs that we've sung, no. It's the reality that we breathe. It is the love that we embrace day by day by day that we just need your help to receive your love. We thank you for the possibility of that through the person of Jesus Christ. And as you keep praying today in an attitude of prayer, I wonder how many of you when, you, when you look and you ask yourself, you often don't like what you see. You feel insecure and you feel inadequate and you may even feel guilty. Maybe even at times you feel unloved. If this message spoke to you in a very personal way today and you really want to be one who not only receives the shovel but also dispenses the shovel and you want to see yourself as God sees you because you often feel inadequate or not like enough and I'm just going to ask you to stand with me right now because you feel like God is speaking to you. I want to pray for you. God, I, Father, I, I just thank you so much 
for so many people who are receiving from you right now. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will just seal this message into our spirits. God, you see us as lovable. God, you've called us. You've dispensed your grace upon us. You have a very special calling for every single person. God, I pray that as our identity is formed in our love for you, that we truly could love others as we love ourselves, God, because you did not give us what we deserve, God. You first loved us when we didn't deserve it, God. You, you showed us your love. And as you keep praying today, I know there are a lot of you that you may be exactly like I was. I honestly remember looking and saying, you know what, I, I don't like this guy that I'm looking at. And the reason why is because I felt so guilty. I had done so many things wrong. And I remember feeling drawn toward God, but feeling unworthy to come to him. And the reason is, and I didn't understand that God didn't love me because I was good or because I was bad. God loved me because he's good. He sent his love. He didn't meet me halfway. 